0: You like a juice? You like the juice? as a double can opening. Ah, for a special episode. Happy 238th episode. And you know what we do on the 238th episode. It's time for a best of. Oh my god, it's time for me to throw up. Because I just
1: drank the worst thing ever. Mom got this thing, and I don't think she knew it was spiked. But it's got booze in it, and it's gross. It's a watermelon beer.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen that. I, I never liked it fruity alcohol in my life It's steel
1: reserve alloy series spiked watermelon and it's fucking gross
0: that does sound gross all right well uh welcome to our 238th episode spectacular this is something i wanted to do for the 100th episode and then i forgot and then i was like ah we should do it for the 200th episode and then i forgot and then i was like you know what we should save it for the 238th episode.
1: Well, I believe that's the the diamond anniversary as well. So I'll be awaiting my diamond.
0: Uh, so welcome to Saturday Night Jive. This is the podcast where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. And today is our best of, worst of spectacular. We are going to go through and talk a little bit about our favorite episodes, our best movies, and our worst movies. And so to give a preview of what we did, me and Ben both independently listed 20 of our best movies, 20 of our worst movies, and 20 of our favorite podcast episodes. I added them together. I assigned points for each, uh, where we ranked them, totaled both of our scores up, averaged them together, and then have compiled a list of our favorite movies, our least favorite movies, and our favorite podcast episode. So that's what we will be going through today. It's a big old Saturday Night Jive Wankathon. Can I just
1: say that, like, I feel like if you were to listen to this podcast and you didn't know who we were, I would come across as the bigger fucking nerd. Cause, like, I talk about, oh, I love Power Rangers and fucking Marvel movies. But I feel like you're the bigger fucking nerd. It just comes out in different ways. Like this shit. Like, I'm going to sign points
0: and make lists and fucking... Do you call that nerd? I call it uh, anal retentive, a little obsessive compulsive. I've been like that since I was a kid. I always loved alphabetizing things, putting things in order, ranking things. I've always loved that. And we've we've seen so many movies, I think it's about time. Because we talk about it all the time, too. We're like, oh, was this movie better than this? Oh, yeah, this movie was better than this. Is this as worse as this movie? And I was like, it's about time we come up with a definitive ranking. These are the fucking movies that we have hated the most. And that way, the next time we see a real piece of shit, we can go, ah, is it worse than this? Then it's not the worst movie we've seen. See, but that's the thing. And
1: I I do it, too. I maintain lists as well. But I think you're just more maybe a yeah, more obsessive compulsive with them. And I feel like you probably took this exercise more seriously when it came to like the rankings of things. So when you say it's a definitive list, it's only as definitive as, as you were. I feel like I kind of like, I did it over like the course of like two hours and just kind of like
0: winged it a little bit. I mean, what I did was I took the list of movies and then I just separated that into good and bad. And then I like tossed out stuff like airheads where I was like, well, I mean, it's not going to make my best. It ain't going to make my worst. And then I had a list of like 40 movies that I liked and about 50 movies that I hated. And then I just had to whittle that down to like the 20. And then with that 20, then I started putting them in order of like, yeah, I did hate this more than this. And yeah, I hated this more than this. And then like stuff I thought I was going to place real high on my list kept like inching down because then I'd see like, oh fuck, I hated this piece of shit too. That goes up to number three at least. Well, I'm
1: pretty much sure what we both have as our worst, but I'll be surprised if it's anything else. But, but yeah, that, I guess that's pretty much what I did. I just, I feel like, I don't know, I didn't take much care into it as much as I, ex-
0: I assume you did. Well, we did have a lot of overlap. Um, uh, we'll start here with uh, list number one. This is our best movies list. The best movies we have seen for Saturday Night Jive full archive available at saturdaynightjive.blogspot.com. We came up with a list of 29 cuz out of your 20 and my 20 we had 11 in common. So 29 movies total. I and you have not seen the list yet. So this is all new to you. No, I wanted it to be a surprise. This is I'm the only one privy to the list. <laughs> it's my <laughs> secret to keep or divulge. Um, but I do promise no chicanery. These are accurate numbers.
1: I wasn't assuming that you were going to fucking cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was like, no, the list has to be my list. All right, so... No, you know,
1: the best part of this is uh, I didn't have to watch a fucking talking dog movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did get out of watch. I watched the first 15 minutes of that, and I was like, Whoo boy. All right, so down at the bottom of the list, um, these are some movies that like I had on my list, but they didn't make your list, and... Uh, movies that you had on your list that didn't make my list. Down at the bottom we got "That's My Boy" uh, and "My Favorite Martian" tied for last.
1: I know that was on my list, and "My Favorite Martian" was on your list.
0: Yes, those are both of our twentieth. "That's My Boy" probably should have made my list. That was a funny fucking movie.
1: That for me it was just like like because of what everybody says it is and what I was expecting going in versus what it was. It bumped it up higher than maybe it otherwise would have been.
0: It's so nice. I love
1: that in the trauma where the judge is like this old lady and she's like, now I know some people are pretending that this wasn't molestation, but rather
0: every boy's teenage fantasy. And then you cut to every adult guy in the audience going, yeah. The bailiff is high in the stenographer. Yeah. yeah, It's this movie has a lot of absurdity that I just, I love. I love absurdity in comedies. I love when... He, yeah, he can't find anything to masturbate to, so he masturbates to grandma. <laughs> and he's narrating. I love that old time, baby.
1: <laughs> I could take it to the speakeasy and we could we could do the naked Charleston. I have to ship out in the morning
0: to fight the Nazis, so you better give me something to remember. <laughs> uh, what that? Oh my god old lady grandma
1: wants to get in on the action too should we let her? I think we should <laughs> oh my god
0: and then I love that grandma comes in because she's flattered by it and she's wearing the old timey bathing suit that kind of got Adam Sandler off in the first place mm. yeah now I, I would I like that that's my boy made the list I also like that my favorite Martian made the list that was my pick I don't share your love of that that movie oh yeah and there's there's bound to be dear listeners this isn't just going to be a list there's bound to be some fights because there was some shit on ben's list that i got a bone to pick with and i know there's going to be some things on my list that ben will have p- plenty of bones with
1: well just keep in mind the first time he complains about something i put on my list we're starting with his was my favorite fucking martian which i don't know my if favorite you've seen martian.
0: that if you have, you know it's a funny fucking movie. The best part
1: of that movie is when they almost get pooped on.
0: Hell yeah, it is.
1: So yeah, anyway, they're running down the sewer pipe, being chased by the rotor rotor and then they, they find themselves somewhere else.
0: Where the heck are we? Hey, Alma, where's my new field and stream? It's in the bathroom, right where you left it. Oh yeah, I see it now. By the way, where's my tuna sandwich? You want it in there? Uh, oh, why'd I eat that fourth burrito? Oh. It's in slow motion. The and music they start playing. from 2001. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> While the guy's shadow of his ass is about to sit on them, <laughs> And then he goes... Shouldn't have ate that fourth burrito. Like, we need to know what brought him to the bathroom. Why is this man narrating what's about to happen? He's going to shit on I'm him. about to poop, wife. Before I sit down on this toilet, I'm going to tell you what brought me here.
1: To give you a play-by-play as it's
0: coming out of my ass. First I had the first burrito. Then a second sounded delicious, so I had that. The third one was too much, but I kept going. Then I had that fourth burrito. I am about to poop on two men. Uh, above that... Next, we have Troll, which made my list, but not your list. What? Uh, Troll? You didn't like Troll? <laughs> okay. I didn't hate Troll, but to, to make it on a on the best list, I feel
1: like it... that ah, Yeah, that just seems like... It's a mediocre movie.
0: Yeah, but it's fun. And, well, my first bone with you is the next one on the list, Monkey Bone. You had placed at number 17. Ugh. For its
1: visual aesthetic. Okay, hold on. I don't want to confuse the listeners. I, I mentioned how much I hate this watermelon drink. I have another Coke here. I'm going to open this can. We're not starting the podcast over. I'm just opening a can.
0: You lagging like right. the juice? Okay, welcome to the 200. Sorry, and... I need
1: something to drink other than this fucking shit. Uh, but yeah, fucking Monkey Bone. Uh, yeah, I, I'll grant that the story is not the strong suit of the movie. But the visual aesthetic of that movie, the fucking special effects and the the weird vi- visual shit, I, it was enough that it kept me entertained despite everything else. And I, and I enjoy the craziness of the performances as well. I, or at least Brendan Fraser's performance and Chris Kattan.
0: I do not stand behind that. And that Monkey Bone was on my list of 50 where I was like, this could make my worst list. But we've seen so many shittier movies than Monkey Bone that it didn't come close to my worst but it didn't come close to my best either.
1: Well just the, the nightmare fuel of that movie is is it's impressive. I'll to agree me.
0: with you. The visuals are good, but yeah, I could not give two shits about Monkey Bone. Uh right above Monkey Bone, well tied with Monkey Bone cuz this was my 17th movie, another monkey movie. This one funky monkey. Which I think
1: did I put that on I think I put that on best episodes later on. Cuz yeah, I remember enjoying talking about it. But other than, like, Gilbert Gottfried, who's in, like, five minutes of the movie, isn't that a funnier movie on paper than it actually is a
0: movie? Yeah, I mean, well, we are picking from, like, uh, you know, we could only pick movies that we've seen for this podcast. And we haven't seen a lot of good movies. We primarily watch bad ones. But Funky Monkey, yeah, not a good movie. But it's a great bad movie. I had so much fun watching Funky Monkey. I like watched that movie twice because I was like, this is so stupid. This is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen." But it's also just got a monkey and Matthew Modine and uh, women fawning over the monkey, wanting to fuck it. I would say
1: Taylor Negron's performance in that film. It's got creepy is Taylor Negron. To my thing with this is because, and you're you have me at a bit of a deficit here because I don't have the so bad it's good thing, so I don't think I'm trying to think. I mean, none of my movies really fit into that category, or at least I wouldn't say they would. Uh, I don't know if you
0: would, but I think one of yours does.
1: Well, maybe for you, but not for me. If I th- if it's the one I'm thinking of, <laughs> but but yeah, I just I'm not. I don't really view movies that way. So yeah, Funky Monkey. I think I, if I were enjoying it on that level, maybe, but. Uh, I just feel like the badness kind of like Matthew Modine he's bad in it he's not like funny bad he just he shouldn't yes. be in a comedy because he's Matthew Modine oh, oh no he terrible <laughs> but that's why it's whereas good. Taylor Negron knows what he's doing yeah
0: do not worry we have the situation totally totally under control man if they knew how crazy this ape was we'd have a rat right ah
1: And then you cut to Matthew Modine, who was apparently just standing around in the parking lot, like, lost in thought, like, oh, remember that monkey I just had? (laughs) What? Monkey? And then he runs back in. Like, he should have been gone by now.
0: Right. Luckily, this thing escalated quickly, so Matthew Modine's still in the parking lot when the monkey riot happens. Because, yeah, his plan was, I'm going to drop off the monkey with Tommy Davidson, and then leave, and then go figure out the evil shit. Because he's also stolen Taylor Negron's laptop, yes, which he knows has all the evil plans.
1: Which has that screensaver of Taylor Negron's <laughs> smiling face. <laughs> which I only bring up because later on, he's like, oh, I need to convince this lady to hack into my laptop. I'm going to tell her it's mine. She's going to open it up
0: and see fucking Taylor Negron's face. So, uh- Is this... Matthew Modine's lover I'm looking at? Is that what this is? Not for another Matthew Modine, but I'm just noticing, why do you have a screensaver of Taylor Negron on your computer? Just smiling evilly. This is interesting. But then More I...
1: importantly, why does Taylor Negron have a screensaver
0: of Taylor Negron <laughs> on his computer? But I loved that he's reading the Idiot's Guide to, like, computers.
1: No, I wrote it down. It's not. The... It's computers for really, really stupid people.
0: <laughs> I missed that. That's funny. But... <laughs> He's reading this, and then what he's trying to do is figure out Taylor Negron's password. You're not going to get that from a book. <laughs> like, is that book just like if you steal Taylor Negron's laptop? These are some of the words he may use, and it's all like buttfuck fuck sixty nine, huh? Nope, that didn't work. See, to me, it's
1: interesting and like thinking of like the thought process behind it. But I'm not. It's not necessarily enjoyable for me. You know, it's just like yeah, that's a weird curiosity. And I, when, I, when we get to, like, a lot of my favorite episodes, a lot of those are that, where it's, like, deconstructing it and figuring out, like, why did people want to do this, or why did they think this was the way to do this? That makes the episode interesting for me, and therefore one of my, be, one of my favorites. But when I'm talking about best movies, it's got to be something I enjoy, and I did not fucking enjoy Funky Monkey.
0: <laughs> well, we are in disagreement there. Uh, next on the list, Tide, because we both had these movies in 16th place. Ben, you selected "It's Pat" the movie. I selected House Guest starring Sinbad and Phil Hartman. See, f- fucking fuck you Th- again. This is not
1: "It's Pat." I think we both agreed is a better movie than its reputation. Yeah, and it, there's stuff to enjoy in it. The uh, fucking Charles, Charles Rocket's performance, and just how dark it gets at the end, and how much it deconstructs what is ultimately such a silly premise. And so, it's there's an added level of it's silly to deconstruct it. Whereas, fucking, come on, House Guest. I mean, again, I get enjoying it on a so bad it's good level, and I get it's a fun episode of the podcast, mostly just because of your weird joy about it, but it's a bad movie. It's a shitty Sinbad movie from the 90s.
0: I don't know. I know House Guest is different than Funky Monkey because House Guest succeeds in everything it's trying to do. It's an absurd, wacky comedy, and I enjoyed it on that level. Like, Uh, like if I was ranking like fucking The Godfather up against Wet Hot American Summer The Godfather is a more well made movie it's uh, tightly plotted it's better constructed but Wet Hot American Summer just makes me laugh my ass off so that's a better movie in my opinion well no that's why House Guest makes my list. To
1: me, watchability is a, a huge concern for me. Like I, I I need to be able to watch it and enjoy it. Like I can I can accept the artistry of a movie that people say is great. I'm even I'm not even a big fan of the Godfather movies. Crime movies aren't really my thing. Whereas something like Ghostbusters, I can watch it any time of day. I I cannot conceive of myself watching House Guest again by my own volition.
0: I can and have. I have watched House Guest <laughs> post podcast.
1: So then, are you saying it's, it's uh, then the best Mafia subplot of all the Mafia subplots we've seen?
0: Um, I think it's the only movie that makes my list that has a Mafia subplot. So, yeah. Sinbad just loves his scratch-off tickets. Yeah. You know, because he's a big dreamer, so he wants but to But so win. does
1: the mob... And this is, a, this is a thing I hate in movies. You get a loan from mobsters, and then a week later they come to kill you yeah. because you didn't pay him back 20 times the loan. I'm pretty sure most mob mobsters that do that, to the extent that that's even a thing, would go like, you can't get money from a dead man, Right. get him to
0: make payments. It seems, it, in movies, it always seems like the mobs just loves murder, <laughs> like their plan is, we'll give you this money if we get to murder you in a week, that seems to be a bad business model. How do they ever get their money back? <laughs> just, we'll we'll loan 50, an absorbent amount of money to a deadbeat and then murder him in a week.
1: And then we'll go into his shitty house and sell off all his shitty yes. things and maybe make a quarter of it back.
0: Why would you give $50,000 to Sinbad? He has nothing. He is obviously not a person who is ever going to be able to pay back that loan. But you're like, here's some money, and if you don't pay it back, we'll kill you. And I guess we'll have fun killing, you know? Like, he has no friends who can loan him the money. It's not like he has this rich uncle who may kick the bucket and give him that money in his will. He's just, why would you ever give him that money in the first place? I don't know. And then, hey, the mob, don't get into business with them because, you know, they're they're shady businessmen. Uh, Alright, next up on the list is a movie we both had on our list. We were both in agreement on this one. We both had it placed at number 18, and that is A Gnome Named Norm. So, fuck you if you're like, no, I'm not going to put So Bad It's Good movies on my list. Um, I fucking unironically enjoyed A Gnome Named Norm. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) It was on my list, too, so I liked it, too.
1: But you liked it ironically. I liked it unironically because I'm a fucking fantasy nerd. I like the idea that it's a, a buddy cop movie with a fucking gnome who punches dudes in the nuts like five times in the movie. It's funny, but it's I'm laughing with the movie, not at the movie.
0: Well, it's just weird that you say that because that's why I liked Troll. Troll, I didn't really like, um, ironically. I mean, it's a bad movie, but I actually did kind of get sucked into the story, and I loved that little troll. Like, he was so cute, but also evil, and I just liked watching his journey. I Like, I wasn't watching that movie purely based on, like, this is so fucking terrible. Like, I actually enjoyed Troll. Well, going
1: back to Troll, I will say, much like That's My Boy, it is a better movie than it often gets credit for, and it's a sweeter movie than it gets credit for. The relationship with the, the the little person and the little girl, well, the troll in the little girl's body, and, and their interplay, and then like a lot of the special effects stuff, like when Sonny Bonode fucking turns into a weird cocoon, it's just really cool looking. You know, yeah, no, there's stuff to enjoy in that movie. I just feel like it's kind of just, it's just too mediocre for me. It wouldn't rise to the level of best. Oh,
0: well, like I said, we are dealing from a shallow pool. Like, we haven't watched many downright classics for this podcast
1: and apparently the only witness to this this double crime is a gnome named norm right who is a magical creature that has dug himself up from the underworld uh, uh who is there for what purpose well uh, you uh, you learn more dimension to it but if, uh, uh, ostensibly they have this crystal called the lumen it's this mm-hmm. giant diamond and it's their, it's like a magical source of all their nourishment. It's like their lifeblood. It allows their food to grow, they said. And uh, it's like it's like energy that, that allows them to live.
0: Right. And he said it needed the sun. Yeah,
1: it needs to be recharged every ten years with the sun. So they have to go to Upworld to, to recharge oh, okay. it. So they always send a gnome warrior to, to do that.
0: Oh, because I was under the impression that uh, Norm stole... The... Well, no, later on he
1: says, I'm not a warrior, I'm just a tunneler. I stole it before they could do it so that I could be the hero.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So he stole it with the intention. I thought he was just stealing it to steal it. No, he
1: stole it so that he could okay. recharge it and come back. Because he's attracted to this girl, right. Rena.
0: Who we never never see.
1: But she's got big boobs and a nice butt, like Claudia Christian,
0: apparently. Or the gnome equivalent. He does mention that Claudia Christian is a sexy lady, just like this gnome I know. But anyway, but this gnome with big tits. (laughs) Why? Why, Stan Winston, could you not create another puppet? So at the end of this movie, we could get a heartfelt reunion between this terrifying-looking fucking thing and this other terrifying-looking thing with huge knockers. And he just starts motorboating, and that's the end. Why did you spare us that? (laughs) You set up... Again, Chekhov's gun. If you mention a gnome with big tits... Chekhov's gnome boobs. (laughs) At the end of the movie, I need to see a gnome with some big tits. Um, Alright, up next, uh, above a gnome named Norm is a movie I had at number 15. This is the Robert Downey Jr. classic, Chances Are. Now, how did this miss your list? I loved this movie. Really? I, I mean, again, I, I'm not going to say it's bad, but I don't know. I, I don't. I have to
1: go back to like even listen to the episode where we talked about it, but I feel like I, I don't know that I came
0: away from that movie as charmed by it as you were. I think the way I really ranked my films, I don't really remember the movies as much, but I do recall my viewing experience of all of these movies. Like, when we say Chances Are, I remember where I was when I saw Chances Are. I remember we recorded that episode separately. I was lying in bed by myself, high as fuck, watching Chances Are and loving the shit out of it.
1: No, I, no, I know why it didn't make my list. The fucking other guy in it uh, that plays, like, the boyfriend.
0: Oh, uh, fucking, what's his name? Ryan O'Neill.
1: Ryan O'Neill. I hate Ryan O'Neill. And I think I even said that on the podcast. Like, I think I would have liked this movie a lot better if fucking Ryan O'Neill wasn't in it.
0: Uh, No, chances are it was a movie that I never never knew what that movie was about. And then after I watched it, I was like, fuck, why have I never seen this movie?
1: And if I remember, that was also sort of a multiplicity situation where there were a lot of, like unmentioned or unnoticed moral consequences to the story that like the movie didn't seem to comprehend yeah
0: i mean because he's basically trying to fuck his own daughter the whole film
1: for example
0: but that's not an issue so yeah (laughs) but you don't care just because the movie's so kind of like sweet and has just like a nice tone to it that you're like all right i'll watch robert downey jr try to fuck his own ghost daughter
1: well, I, I will say I really enjoyed Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and Sybil Shepherd's performance. I think their uh, chemistry was really good. You know, again, I th- maybe just the ickiness of that was also kind of getting in the way of it for me.
0: We oh, okay. Well, first, welcome to Saturday Night Chive, Ben George. We got a lot to unpack. How is it? That we constantly
1: find these movies that have these insanely problematic elements to them. As if by accident. Okay, hey, uh, Jack Palance's partner, don't fuck that underage girl. <laughs> hey, little man, don't rape that nice lady. Hey, robot John Malkovich, don't rape that other nice lady. <laughs> hey, Robert Downey Jr., reincarnated Christopher McDonald,
0: don't fuck your daughter. <laughs> That's the big. There's a big cloud of incest hovering over this really nice romantic comedy. I really enjoyed this film. You know, if we we always talk about like what's the one big problem where if you took it out of a movie it'd be good. Right. In this movie, it's a guy might fuck his daughter. The fix to this is don't have the guy almost fuck his daughter, and then continue to fake date her while he's trying to romance the mother and also replace ryan o'neill because he's shit Alright, well above that we have a movie that made your list and not mine and that is the martin short film clifford uh this could have made my list i really enjoyed clifford
1: Again, this is just for the the two central performances, Martin Short and Charles Grodin, who I think are both fucking brilliant in that movie. The movie itself is not great. A lot of the jokes don't land, but they are so committed to their characters and just how crazy it gets and how... Evil, they get to each other to to the point where it gets to the end, and they're you know he's trying to murder him, and the, just the the weird nuance in their their dialogue where they're like they know that they're saying more than they're saying, but they're they're you know underplaying it. Just that 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 dichotomy really worked for me. Uh, really made that movie a lot better than it could have been.
0: Yeah, and I love that they, that like, that's an absurd, weird, goofy-as-fuck movie, but they never, like, wink at themselves. Like, Martin Short is a 40-year-old man playing a 10-year-old boy, but that's, like, not the joke of the movie. There's never any, like, visual gags of, like, people going, don't you look old to be 10? None of that. They're just like, Martin Short's playing Clifford, you have to accept it. And because they do that, you're able to just live in the world, and you don't question any of the goofy, random shit that happens.
1: No. And just, like, there'll be moments where he'll be talking like a little kid, and you believe it, and then he'll slip into this, like, sociopathic run where, like, a a real kid actor could not have pulled that off, but he does, because he's just, he's Martin Short, and he's that great. But it works for that character. It still feels like Clifford.
0: Absolutely. Was that scary? Not at all! (laughs) Ah. A thought occurred to me. you
1: think that Miss Sarah and Mr. Ellis perhaps would name their first
0: child Martin? That is so cute. You know, Clifford, I really shouldn't put this in hyperdrive, but I just can't seem to help myself. Oh, well. Uh, Bob Clifford is a movie you had on your list at number 12, and that is the Ben Stiller comedy, Mystery Men. I just didn't have this on my list because I was like, eh. Like, I remember watching it and just going,
1: whatever. Well, this is another one where I think we even watched it because it was at a time in the podcast where we would watch so many bad movies, we were like, can we just watch a good thing for once? Yeah. And so it was like, it, it, it was like, oh, yeah, that, that really felt like, maybe it feels even better than it actually is as a movie just because of, of when we watched it. But just the, the idea that, like... You know, again, visual aesthetic. I like the design, like the the production design, and I mean it's superheroes. I'm an easy sell for that kind of stuff. I, I most of the jokes land. I like the characters. William H Macy's really good. Uh, you know, I, I and I love Jeffrey Rush as the bad guy, and the whole sequence where they kill Greg Kinnear and they're like trying to like lay blame on everybody there's there's there a lot of good moments in the movie i don't know that it necessarily comes together as like classic but it's a fun watch i would still recommend it
0: oh yeah no i i enjoyed it but i just i don't know it it wasn't exciting to make my list i was like do i put mystery men on here or do i go with funky monkey i gotta i gotta get funky monkey on the list oh man fucking funky monkey we're all in over our heads and we know it but if we take on this fight those of us who survive it will forever after show our scars with pride and say, that's right. I was there. I fought the good fight. So what do you say? Do we all gather together
1: and go kick some Casanova butt? Or do I eat this
0: sandwich? I say, what the fork? Let's do it. Yeah! All right, so above Mystery Men is, uh, well, actually tied with Mystery Men, the movie I had at number 12 was <laughs> the Father Guido Sarducci classic, Jack. Really? You didn't love Jack?
1: I am almost certain if you listen back to that podcast, this was a difference of opinion. And I'm almost, did I put toys on the list? Tell me that now, because I don't think <sighs> I did.
0: Yes, you fucking did. <laughs> okay, maybe I did. but We st- haven't gotten to it yet, but yes, you did.
1: <laughs> but Jack, it's just, it's so maudlin' and like, cloying, and so it, it tries too hard to hit your heart, and I feel like it, by that point, it just, it feels like, um, almost manipulative to me. I'm not saying it doesn't do a good job of that, but it's just so obvious with what it's doing and so on the nose that i almost feel like it's like i don't want to give that too much credit for doing it no
0: in in parts it's very sappy as all hell but it got me i mean i fucking cried like i remember crying watching jack i remember that viewing experience we were at your old house we were watching jack together and i was like crying like my eyes were tearing up and you like looked back at me and asked me a question i was like shut up watch a movie because I didn't want you to notice that I was crying, well, I mean, you
1: know when and yeah no, and when Joan Cusack dies at the end of toys, you know it's a very sad thing as well. i yeah. uh, I teared up a little bit there. Right.
0: We'll get to that, we'll get to that, uh up next, tied for next place, uh at number eleven, you had what planet are you from at number eleven, I had three fugitives. Did I not have... Th- I had Three Fugitives. I don't know if it was the same placement. Three Fugitives did not make your list, no. It
1: didn't? Maybe that was an oversight on my part, because that's a, that's a great film.
0: That was one I was most surprised by when I was like, did Ben just forget we watched Three Fugitives? That's That's
1: possible now, because yeah, thinking back on it, that should have made my list.
0: It wasn't a great episode of the podcast, because we were just like, I liked it, did you like it? Yeah... Well, that's like like you talked
1: about airheads. That's basically yeah. When we watch a movie like that, a lot of times it's like, well, there's nothing fun to talk about. So maybe I, in my head it wasn't as present. But I mean, I'm not I'm not unhappy with what the uh, um, what planet are you from making the list. I you know that's a fun movie as well.
0: Yeah, that one almost made mine. I considered putting that one on my list, but that was another one kind of like Mystery Men, where I was like, eh, like if it's between what planet are you from and my favorite Martian, I I, I gotta throw my love behind my favorite Martian. Maybe subconsciously I was like, there's no fucking way Ben's going to put my favorite Martian on his list, so I got to put it on mine.
1: Well, I know for a fact Pumpkin's coming up at some point, so. Yeah, I, I did, and
0: I did not intentionally do, like, I did not try to, like, sandbag anything. I wasn't trying to throw things off. I say that as we're in uh, the top 15 now. Number 15 is Ben's number 10. That is the Robin Williams fucking horrible piece of shit toys i am so pissed that this is number 15 on our best movies that we have watched this almost made my worst list magic
1: and wonder and Ugh. whimsy out the ass it's it's a fun for the whole family fantasy romp i don't know how anybody could have a problem with it fucking it's unfucking
0: toys. watchable. i don't have to defend it it's great no it's unfucking watchable that movie is so goddamn terrible it almost made my worst i don't know how i would have scored it if like you put it at number 10 and i put it at number five on my worst list like i don't know how i would have ranked those points so i'm glad i didn't put it on my worst list for that reason alone <laughs> just because i'm bad at math
1: so nobody had like i don't have anything on my worst list that you have on your best or vice versa no that did not happen okay that's interesting but yeah, toys, come on. you fucking uh, LL Cool J separating his food because he's, he's autistic and, and they have the little robots and, and they're toys. It's great.
0: No, I, ugh, <laughs> I cannot. I do not watch toys, dear listener. Do Fuck not. you.
1: <laughs> Everyone watch toys. It's
0: great. My biggest complaint in all Robin Williams movies is that they have... That laugh track person who needs to laugh at Robin Williams. And in this movie, it's played by Robin Wright.
1: Well, Robin Wright and uh, uh, Joan Cusack to a lesser extent.
0: Yeah, but Joan Cusack, every time Robin Williams makes a joke, she just goes like, That's funny.
1: Because she's a robot.
0: (laughs) Right, but you don't know that until the last three minutes of the movie.
1: Okay, but you don't know that Tyler Durden is just
0: in Edward Norton's head until the end of the movie, but it informs the rest of the movie. You are not comparing the fact that Joan Cusack is a robot to the fact that I think Edward I Norton just did, motherfucker. Same. Person. I think
1: I just did.
0: Like that is the same kind of plot twist. Yes. Where like the whole movie is predicated on that they're the same person. Rather that than, arc is. Rather than, oh my goddamn sister just got her head blown up. That's all right. She was a fucking robot. It the explains whole time. <laughs> everything
1: about that character once you get to that point, right? <laughs> Just like in this movie, it's like all the shit that you didn't really understand while it
0: was happening, it was happening because they were the same guy. Uh, can we put this as a thing? Like, every time someone, like, spoils a movie in jest, like, oh, Rosebud was the sled, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, you jo- know, Joan Cusack was a goddamn robot. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's going to be the new, like, uh, well, yeah. stereotypical spoiler for movies. Well, yeah, why not? It's a spoiler <laughs> if you find that at the beginning. Well, but at the same time, it's a I sp- would love to have found that out at the beginning. The fact that she is a robot adds nothing to the story whatsoever, except that you go, oh, well, that's why she was fucking weird. See, I think
1: if this were made today and it were made like as a Pixar movie, you would have revealed it at the beginning. And yeah, she would have been his robot sister.
0: And (laughs) even LL Cool J has a line going, I don't know what you're doing, but you always look the same age to me. So which means Robin Williams was like a little baby a 40-year-old sister and then he grew up to be 40 years old. He's not 40, 40 years, years old. old. He's pretty old in this movie But he's
1: not supposed to be in the context of the movie. So why not cast someone who's age appropriate? Robin Williams was the guy at the time. And he got the movie funded.
0: Who, Robin Williams? Yeah,
1: he this was like his um what was that movie that Bill Murray did Ghostbusters to do uh Oh, Razor's Edge? Razor's Edge. Like this was his Razor's Edge. Who Robin Williams? Yeah. He wanted to do this movie. I think I forget, well, I think he actually did a movie just to pay, for, just to secure the funding for this movie. Oh my
0: god, that makes it even more terrible. I wanted this list to be perfect, but uh, do not watch toys. Also, stay away from number fourteen, which was Ben's number nine. That is Pumpkin, the movie where Christina Ricci romances a mentally challenged man, and what SNL cast member is in that? Oh, Melissa McCarthy, we did for our five-timers episode. Yeah,
1: and and I will say, whether you love Pumpkin, as I do, or hate Pumpkin, as apparently George does, it's the, the, you have to watch it just for the curiosity. It's such a weird fucking movie that i would only i mean i would recommend it to anyone on that score i'm very careful like if i like a movie but i don't think most people would i wouldn't necessarily recommend it at least i'd add that caveat you know i like this movie because of my weird sensibility but i don't think most people would this is like that i don't think most people would like this movie but i would still recommend it just because it's such a weird artifact of of modern cinema i think disagree whether you think it failed i think it succeeded but it's i think it's fascinating
0: to watch i got nothing from this thing i i watched this in just like complete dumbfoundedness like and then that was another one where it was an interesting like brain fuck because like i watched that movie and i'm like this is stupid this is shitty Ugh, i can't wait to fucking rip into this one tomorrow and then i'm like all right ben let's sit down and podcast and you're like the nuances of pumpkin and i'm like what the fuck did we watch two different movies
1: and next week we'll watch House Guest, this <laughs> classic fucking comedy. <laughs> where Sinbad loves
0: McDonald's. You know, say which will I didn't have it at number nine on my list. It was my number like 16. I didn't put fucking House Guest up at number well, you, nine.
1: Well you you talk about how you've watched it again. I've I've gone back and watched Pumpkin multiple times and I
0: really fucking enjoy that movie. It yeah, holds up. Alright. The whole movie, I never bought their relationship whatsoever. Uh, and also, did you notice who that guidance counselor was? That was James Crippendorf's assistant. Oh, was it? I <laughs> thought he was doing
1: a fucking Father Guido Sarducci impression. No, he
0: just sounds like that because that's what he sounded like in Crippendorf's tribe. He's not doing an offensive accent. He oh, just that's just his voice. Like uh, this is
1: when. This is right when I. I said I actually have it in my notes. Do I give this movie the benefit of the doubt that it's self aware with its satire versus sincerity? And I by the end of the movie I came away with yes, I give it the benefit of that doubt. uh,
0: Well that's interesting. And I think that's where we differ. That's interesting because at this same point, in my notes, I have written, I hate this movie. On every level, I hate this. This is a bad idea. It has bad acting. The dialogue is terrible. There's no interesting shots. None of these characters make sense. Hey, that's the guy from Krippendorf's tribe. So that's what I was writing down (laughs) while you were writing down that. (laughs) so we saw this movie on completely different levels and that's
1: that's the weird thing because you talk about we almost never watch movies separately we always watch them together this time we watched them separately maybe that's just a weird thing that happens
0: i get maybe our energy feeds off each other when we're alone you're the you're the one who sees the good in all the world and i'm the one going no they should be in cages why are you kissing him? Well, no, I, I
1: appreciated like because yeah, my <laughs> next note is after the guidance counselor saying like yeah, the infantilism of the mentally challenged. You know, can they be treated like adults? Is it right? Is this rape? You know, is is it you know is it right that, that you know I'm questioning my own assumptions about how I deal with the mentally challenged because the movies the movie is grappling with them in if not an outright serious way at least a a an all encompassing way. It's asking all the questions that you're asking.
0: Well, uh, you are also all alone by yourself on an island for number 13. Your number (laughs) 8 film was uh, the Bill Hader classic, Power Rangers.
1: Well, okay, this was personal to me. I'm a Power Rangers nerd. And this was a good, you agree this was a good movie. And and again, we have very few good movies.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's it's a very decent film. It just would not touch my best list.
1: Well, and again, again, I don't have any so bad it's good movies on my best list. It was all just movies I liked, and there were very few movies I liked, and this was one of them. I mean, we didn't count Holmes and Watson, even though I think we talked about it on the podcast. Like, I probably would have put that on there if, if it was
0: an option. I may have put Holmes and Watson on the list.
1: But yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's yes, it's intensely personal. I didn't expect it to be anywhere on your list, but it's got giant robots, and
0: it's great. It's power. Yeah, all right in a spaceship buried underground how long have you been waiting uh today monday yeah then 65 million years yeah. i've been very lonely you're also young looking uh, this has to do with the coins yes yes the coins different colors different kids different color kids i'm so excited you're here well now we're getting into the movies we agreed upon on number 12 Ben, you had this movie at number 13, I had this movie at number 14, so almost in complete agreement on the Eddie Murphy comedy, Meet Dave. I did not think you would have this on your list, I thought this was one that was like just a me film.
1: Well that, and for a time it was, but I actually went back and watched this again as well, and I think I enjoyed it more the second time. I think I was distracted by just the weirdness of the premise when we watched it initially. But once I got that out of the way and could just enjoy it for what it was, a lot of the jokes landed better for me.
0: Yeah, I have also watched this um, after we watched it together, and I, I keep getting enjoyment out of it. I mean, it's so stupid. It's so nonsensical. But it's Eddie Murphy as a spaceship uh, piloted by a tiny Eddie Murphy. Um, and if you can get on board with that premise... You will have a good ass time with Meet Dave.
1: Well, all I remember of it at this point is him pooping money, <laughs> <laughs> and just the scene of him like hunched over, but otherwise just completely like stoic, and just looking, <laughs> yeah. and just money coming out of his ass, and just like that's just inspired because, of course, he's a robot, so when he's not faking emotions for p- the benefit of other people around him like you're in a you know a public bathroom you don't need to nobody needs to see your face while you're pooping money
0: it's a crazy it's a crazy absurd movie, but the people making it like they know that they're making a crazy absurd movie, so they are just leaning in hard to everything that doesn't make sense and just barreling through it like they they gave up giving a shit a long time ago they're just going for laughs
1: no yeah that that yeah i I had much more fun with that the second. Maybe, did I even watch it a third time? Maybe I don't remember, but I watch. I know I watched it since, and and yeah, it, it rose up a a lot in my estimation. There's no reality. No, but that but that's the problem, and I don't yeah, and I don't think the movie is embracing that problem oh, I think uh, by being are. absurd. I think it's it's just pretending the problem doesn't exist.
0: No, I think this movie is doesn't want you to question it. I mean, it's fun to question it. They never establish why they made the spaceship look exactly like Eddie Murphy especially because
1: at the end that you find out that his foot can just house the entire crew. Right. So why not use a smaller skeleton crew that is like maybe the sh- just like the shape of a hand and go pick up the
0: thing and then throw it in the the yeah. ocean. What I want is a prequel to this movie where it's a bunch of engineers arguing about what the spaceship is going to look like and then Eddie Murphy comes in and goes, "Why don't we make it look exactly like me? Just huge." But that's And an- you'll all live inside of me.
1: But that's another thing that could have been an interesting Uh, like, like, sort of, he was just so, if, because the reference is Star Trek, Captain Kirk, and the sort of vain, arrogant, conceited, like, Zap Brannigan character, what if that was the thing? They said, like, no, we, we can design our ship to be anything,
0: well, make it look like me, because he's so vain. That (laughs) would have been a fun thing, wouldn't it? We have cloaking devices, we, we can can make 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 us invisible. invisible. (laughs) No, I think it should look like me, but, like, really big me. (laughs) And then you could even do a dick joke where he makes a dick that's his <laughs> dick but bigger. Sir, uh, what, what is what is this thing on the blueprint? Well, I think you guys know what that thing is on the blueprint if you know what I'm talking about. No, sir, we don't, we don't need this. There's at no point in our mission will we ever need this. We've run through all the schematics. Why did you have foreskin built into it? Well, I got John Malkovich to design. <laughs> sir... <laughs> Sir, we are here to do a mission. At no point will we ever need this. Especially one so comically large. <laughs> Alright, uh, up at number 11. Ben, you had this movie ranked at number 19. But I had it all the way up at number 6. So that moves it into 11th place. Oh, holy shit. This is Krippendorf's Tribe featuring Shabon Fallon.
1: See, and this is the closest I came to a So Bad It's Good enjoyment of a movie that made my list. Because it's just so fucking wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And I appreciate it on that level.
0: It's wrong on every fucking level you can imagine.
1: (laughs) There's so much wrong shit in this movie. The dark sensibility, the asshole in me, loved this movie. Every positive impulse in my head tells me I shouldn't put this on any list. In fact, it should have made my worst list. But I just, I relish how they just unapologetically put, like, kids in blackface. And Mila Kunis, a a prepubescent Mila Kunis, wants wants to get peed on. And it just, oh, and they have so much. They revel in the depravity of that movie, and
0: I love it. And it's disguised as a family comedy it's like if it's got the mrs doubtfire music the bop bop yeah. it's like if mrs doubtfire was directed by todd salons <laughs> just like that's krippendorf's tribe
1: or like they keep cutting to like like mid 90s ska punk music while they're having a montage of them building their racist african thing in the backyard
0: fuck i forgot about the mighty mighty Boston's. if i would have remembered that i might have moved this up to number 4
1: Oh yeah, no, I, 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 couldn't put it higher on my list just because the reasons I like it so much aren't reasons that I like about myself. But I had to, I had to represent. It. This is a try. That kind of hut that's only used once when a young woman is experiencing her first
0: menstruation. <laughs> and so already we're a half hour into this movie, which is it for children? Is this movie a child's.? Well,
1: I certainly would not have appreciated it as a kid.
0: Oh, no. I mean, it's a. But it's a family film, right? I mean, the music alone would. Well, that's what I'm saying. Totally, it
1: it feels like a Mrs. Doubtfire kind of. Like a wacky 90s comedy. But it is dirty, dirty, dirty. But, contest, yes, substantively, (laughs) it is not.
0: That. Oh my god, this movie gets really filthy too. And yeah, a half hour in, we've talked about circumcision, we've talked about a girl's first period. Blackface. We get blackface, we get a dirty, dirty sex scene. <laughs> a filthy, filthy sex scene. Well that comes on. a little later, and again,
1: we'll get to it. But no, but 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 no, but the fucking science fair. This suddenly this girl peeks out of the
0: hut and it's fucking young Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, who I uh, was probably like 8 when this movie came Maybe. out? But it's not just that she pops out. It's that the part of
1: the kid's lie, which again is completely arbitrary. It could have been anything. His lie is, we need to anoint her in pig urine. <laughs> and so he's got a pig. Her smiling face comes out. and He's about to point the pig dick into he, her
0: face. He sque- we get a fucking close-up of a pig's anus in this family comedy as well. He's about to squeeze the piss out of this pig all <laughs> over a baby Mila Kunis. Right into fucking Mila Kudis's face. And she wants it, too.
1: Because when they take the <laughs> thing away, and she's like, and the mom's like, get out of that hut. And she's like, not until I'm cleansed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, is this movie great. Speaking of representing, we are now in the top ten. And uh, this movie, Ben, you did not have this movie ranked. I had this movie ranked at number four. And that is uh, a little movie featuring... Mary Gross, Tim Kazarinski and Gilbert Gottfried I as the dentist
1: knew it. How did I fucking not know? I mean, <laughs> I have it on my best episodes list. I know that,
0: but fuck. hot you. to trot. <laughs> hot to trot, starring Bobcat Goldthwaite, and a horse, comes in at number ten.
1: See, and you've said multiple times I wasn't trying to. You know, jigger the list at all. I wasn't trying to make you know this making the top ten. I'm immediately skeptical.
0: <laughs> four might be a little high, but I don't know. i, I was I wasn't ranking on like um and not so much quality. I was more ranking on enjoyment. just like how much joy did this movie give me? Hot to Trot gives me all the joy. Like I just love that movie.
1: I feel like you love the premise of the movie and love loving the movie more than you love the actual movie.
0: (laughs) That's a possibility. That's a distinct possibility. I do love the fact that there is just a movie out there where a horse gives stock tips.
1: But it's just so much of that movie is just... And I'm going to say this noting that I love Bobcat Goldthwait now as a director, but him and that Bobcat persona... I mean, it's so much of it is just that, and I just,
0: I, I'm I not on board for it. Usually I wouldn't be either, but you put that next to a talking horse, and it's a fucking match made in heaven. I mean,
1: I put fucking Gnome Name Norm, which is Anthony Michael Hall and a gnome. So I can't really criticize that much. But that being said, it was also relatively low on my list. This is your fucking number four. That's ridiculous.
0: But then, after that, Bobcat interrupts the dog party because he has a bag of oats and he's like hey horse eat these oats this horse is like man I love these oats what are these oh they're indio oats yeah hey you know all my horse friends are gonna love these oats you should invest in this stock meanwhile horses ain't gonna fucking buy oats (laughs) and then a light bulb appears drills into Bobcat's brain and that's how he gets the idea. Oh my god. Admit it you laughed at that scene. The thing and the thing you about You laughed at that scene.
1: The thing about it is, the way they shot it, there's no way they like added that in as an afterthought. They literally like Bobcat knew as they were filming, it, like I gotta be over here and nod to make room for the light bulb they're gonna superimpose. <laughs>
0: Not only like, it's not over his head either, like, bing, I got an idea. It's the side of his head. <laughs> it drills into his brain and then lights up. And then he gives that's like funny. a knowing nod. Yeah, and he goes, hey, Indio Oats, I'm okay. going to invest in is, this. Even if these are the best oats in the world, are you going to know that your
1: horse prefers these oats to other oats? Are you going to figure that out? Well, no, that's what's
0: great about the movie. This horse is goddamn dumb. He's a goddamn horse. If the horse was, like, super, super smart and gave him, like, you know, hey, why don't you invest in apple? Then it wouldn't make sense. No, this horse is just like, hey, invest in these oats. Because that's good. That's what makes the movie brilliant. And then it doesn't pan out because the oats are also poison. Nothing makes
1: this movie brilliant. I don't want people to walk away from this podcast with the false impression that, well, they disagree, so maybe there's something in the middle. Maybe... Like, I'll kind of like it. Maybe it'll be worth it. Because one of them really loves it, and one of them really hates
0: it. So clearly, it's got to be at least okay. Look up the critical consensus of this movie. Which is incorrect. <laughs> hey, Jack and Jill won a bunch of Razzies. You love that shit, right? I did. I, oh, fuck. I'm with Jack and Jill. In this podcast pro Jack I and Jill? I know Jack
1: and Jill. This is no Jack and Jill. This
0: podcast is now pro Hot to try. It is not. <laughs> it is at
1: best ambivalent, if not outright... So Bobcats you... don't hot to
0: try. All right, uh, and also number nine is another movie that I got into the top ten by myself because this was my number three movie. Um, ben, I thought you would might have this movie ranked on your list, and also for the record, this is the last movie uh, that is uh, we differ on. All the rest of the movies we are in agreement with, but number nine is the Rich Hall classic Million Dollar Mystery.
1: That was like my twenty-first. That was like very close to getting on my list, uh, but again, I think I enjoyed. I and I'm probably put it on the ep- the best episodes list. I feel like I enjoyed watching it more than I did the actual movie.
0: The, that's a definite possibility. I mean, so often we will watch movies that are just like kind of bland and boring. So like those movies just kind of like they wash out of my memory. Like The Ladies' Man, A Night at the Roxbury, MacGruber. I probably like those movies better than Million Dollar Mystery. But when we watched Million Dollar Mystery, I was like, I got shits to say.
1: Well, and this is another one where I don't mind it being on the list just because it is a fascinating movie to watch. It's one I would recommend just as an artifact of this weird comedy that nobody's ever heard of. And just the trivia behind it, the, the weird, like, glad trash bag uh contest and all that and just the and fucking Eddie Deason just wanting to fuck his I believe twin sister <laughs> I, there's so much weird about the movie
0: Dar Robinson
1: yeah, I, so much of that movie and like yeah the two reg like, wrestlers that I think are gay lovers that like adopt the kid at one point there's so much just weird shit in that movie mm-hmm. that is legitimately enjoyable but yeah it was just I think I kind of just I liked the, the feeling of watching it but if I think I went back and watched the actual movie like I think if I watched that with like mom she'd be like why the fuck would you ever enjoy this piece of shit
0: like and then, and then I'd be like yeah you're right it is a piece of shit oh. <laughs> Absolutely, but I I I know I said it when on the podcast of that episode. That was movie. uh, The jokes that worked in that movie, I liked, and the jokes that didn't work in that movie, I also liked. So it just everything fucking about that movie just worked for me. Number three, maybe a smidge high, but I would recommend Million Dollar Mystery wholeheartedly for
1: the ending alone. For the fact that at the end of the movie. Like it kind of ends almost like in the middle, like like it it doesn't have an ending, and then the main character or one of the characters just looks directly at the camera and is like, "Maybe you can solve it." And it's like, "What? <laughs> no, maybe you do
0: it because that's what a fucking movie's supposed to do." <laughs> and imagine if you were in the fucking movie theater and all of a sudden one of the actors just turned to you and went, "Hey, can you think of something?"
1: Fucking watching Captain Phillips and Tom Hanks is like, hey, how do you think I should get out of, out of these pirates' hands? <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're the captain now, audience member. <laughs> oh man, No, uh, it's a fucked up, weird movie that you should see. I, I agree. I agree on that note. Okay, so after the opening credits. We're kind of introduced to um, all of our people. We got Eddie Deason, the nerd from Greece, you would probably know him best as. But he's just got married, and man, does he want to fuck his wife.
1: This whole movie, because like I said, Mad, 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 Mad World, so it's a bunch of people trying to find this million dollars, but they don't give a fuck about the million dollars. Well, they do, <laughs> they're still like going after it, but at every moment they're like, hey, what are we doing, million dollars? Oh, wait, no, we, we want to fuck somewhere. We need to stop somewhere and fuck.
0: <laughs> Just like in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, the comic situations come from, like, their car stalls out, or how are they going to get from point A to point B, and then they get into trouble, you know? They get locked in the cellar in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, or uh, the, the plane that they rent is a big rickety thing. And so a lot of times, these you know, oh, the car breaks down. Oh, we got to get into a hot air balloon. That's everybody else's thing. Yeah. Eddie Deason is just like, yeah, hey, we're driving, everything's fine. Oh, but we have to stop at this hotel to fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> then what happens is everybody try is trying to get to the next million dollars and then they all end up coming at the exact same time. Like, yes. Well, oh, we finally got here. If Eddie Deason hadn't stopped to try to fuck his... He would have been what? there. He would have been there hours earlier. And it's like... I'm just,
1: I mean, and I'm not saying, like, you are You just got married. Okay, fine. You, you know, you have your libido. But it's one of the, it's fuck or million dollar scavenger hunt. You pick one.
0: I mean, either one, whatever. But you, you, you can't be both. You can't fuck in the middle of a treasure hunt. That's something that is just written in stone somewhere. Alright, so now we're into our top eight. And these were all movies that both of us had on our lists. Number eight. Ben, you had it at number fifteen. I had it at number eight. That is the uh, Brian Doyle Murray classic, "The Experts," also starring John Travolta and Ari Gross.
1: See, and this is this is another one where it was lower on my list because I like lo- I love it for a lot of small moments, but. A lot of the bigger premise stuff didn't land for me. What I remember about that movie is like when John Travolta grabs the gun and shoots off into the air. And I was laughing for like five minutes straight. And there are moments in, like throughout where I'm like, that is way funnier than this movie has any right to be. But then there's long stretches where it's just like it's it's a kind of a typical shitty 80s movie.
0: I remember being real confused when we watched The Experts the first time because I wasn't sure if I was liking the movie on a so-bad-it's-good level, or if I was liking the movie legit. But it's written and directed by Dave Thomas from SCTV. So I'm like, okay, I, he knew what he was doing. Like, when John Travolta looks directly at the camera, <laughs> while he's getting a blowjob from Kelly Preston, I'm like, I'm supposed to think that's funny. Like, that's not just bad filmmaking. I'm supposed to enjoy this moment.
1: And, I, I mean, I'll say, I'm a, I'm a John Travolta fan. I, I was, I'm unabashedly a John Travolta fan. Uh, and, and he's good in it, and Kelly Preston is fucking banging in that movie. But yeah, yeah, I, I would say no, I, I, I don't, I don't think think of it as so bad as good by any means. Really, I, I, think it's it's a legitimately funny movie. It's just not as funny as I feel like. Maybe I don't know. Again, it's it's not, the the sum of its parts. It's not greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, yeah, I, I would d- highly
0: recommend the expert. <laughs>
1: I forgot about the old lady getting the dildo. What is this? It's a massager, and then she smiles like I know exactly where this
0: is going. <laughs> like almost gives like a Cary Grant esque look to the camera, like this is going up my twat, huh? Oh, speaking of Cary Grant
1: esque looks to the camera. Oh yeah. Can we talk about when John Travolta and Kelly Preston actually
0: fuck? Holy shit, this is gross. <laughs> like just fucking. Capital G Gross. It's Ari Gross. It's it's where Ari Gross got his name from this sex scene. They're they're about to do it. And uh, John Travolta's got his hand on Kelly Preston's ass. Kelly Preston unzips John Travolta's pants, grabs his dick, throws him on the bed, and takes his pants off. And so the camera is behind his head... And we just see his like milky white thighs.
1: He spreads his legs like she's gonna change his diaper.
0: <laughs> he does look like he's kind of aiming her for maybe some rear entry penetration because uh, he's just—it's just gross. Yeah. And then she takes off his shirt, and his just hairy, gross chest is there. And then I guess she's.
1: Well, she starts like kind of riding him, but you don't see that because it pans down, and he his head tilts back, and he just looks directly at the camera, and for the first time, talks directly to the audience, just to get hey, fucking this nice cute, nice looking
0: chick, right? He says like, isn't she something something else? And I'm like, who are you talking to? Me? I'm like, No, I think this is disturbing. Is this girl terrific or What? <laughs> don't let me into your creepy sex tape. Which was another good line when he finds out that she's a commie and then she shoots out the camera. She's like, that's been filming us the whole time. He's like, even when we were fucking, can we get that tape? (laughs) Like, that's the first thing on his mind. I just like how fucking stupid they are. Like, they find out that they're in this communism. He's thinking about a sex tape. He's like, oh, man, I can't wait to jerk off later. (laughs) I know, dude. You're running away from Russians. All right. Number seven. Ben, you had this at number seven. I had it at number 13. I started this movie high up on my list, and then it just kept getting bumped down by movies I liked a little more. This is the movie that makes our podcast look insane. Jack and Jill lands at number seven.
1: And then, again, this is higher on my list precisely because it's like considered one of the worst movies ever made, and we loved it that much. I was like... That accomplishment alone, I have to keep it higher on the list just because it's like, it's fucking Jack and Jill. And if I explain that to people, they're like, you must have the worst taste in movies ever.
0: Have you watched this since we've watched it together? I have
1: not. I want to I make our, our mutual friend Nate watch it. I want to watch it with him and see if I can get him to appreciate it the way we do.
0: Yeah, I haven't revisited Jack and Jill since we recorded it from the podcast because I'm scared to a little bit. Like, part of me is like, oh, I, we must have dropped acid that day or something.
1: It's such a part of the mythology of our show at this point that, yeah, I feel like if we both watched it again, we'd be like, oh, that actually does suck. And then it would almost feel like there's something taken away from the podcast.
0: Yeah, but it, it was, it was one of those movies where I was like, oh, um, the all day I was like, fuck, Ben's coming over and we're going to watch Jack and Jill. My whole goddamn day It's going to be fucking ruined and It was, like, 15 minutes in, and I'm like, I've laughed, like, 10 times already. Like, I think this is just a funny movie. Well, And it's sweet.
1: That's what nobody gives that movie credit for. Regardless of whether the jokes work for you or not, the character dynamics between these two siblings, and maybe that's part of it, too. Like, we're siblings, so we're more sensitive to that, maybe, than some other viewers. But... Like, I, I really related to, like, they're you know, like, they love each other, but they have problems, and they bicker and fight, but they care about each other, but, you know, like, like there's this, and it, and it feels real. Like, it feels like, like, when I felt bad for Jill at the end, and, and you know, when he finally sticks up for her, it's it's, you know, it's heartwarming. Yeah, and, Legitimately. Yeah,
0: and one of the last Adam Sandler uh, comedy performances where it seems like he gives a rat's ass to be in the movie, so... I saw this more as a a character study rather than a comedy. A funny character study. Yeah. And I honestly, I laughed at a lot of most of the jokes. I'm telling you, I would say 80%. Yeah, and there was nothing in this movie that made me just angry at comedy. Which the whole movie made me angry at
1: comedy when I first saw it. Yeah, it flabbergasts me now. This is a. Jack and Jill is a good movie. Think about last week when we were like, oh, I guess we're going to watch Jack and Jill. Did did either of us. even think in a million years that we would get to this point and go wow jack and jill was a good movie yeah it was a decent flick holy fuck uh
0: speaking of movies that uh i thought i would hate number six is a movie i had at number 10 then you had at number five i thought this movie was going to be in my top five too but then i just it kept getting pushed down The Comebacks, directed by the guy who gave us Bucky Larson.
1: And yeah, this is probably recency bias as well. It might be lower on my list if we hadn't watched it so recently. And yeah, but it's, I mean, it's one of those movies where the jokes wore me down so much. And I remember enjoying so much of the movie that whereas like other things like the experts, like, you know, "Ah, I like this joke and this joke. I like so many jokes in that movie. It's just, it had to be on the list. It had to be high up on the list.
0: Yeah, uh, recency bias was part of the reason why it kept getting moved down. Because I'm like, if I would have watched this movie like four years ago, would it would I have put it at number four? Maybe not. So, I'd, so number ten I thought was a good uh, good place for the comebacks. But yeah, this one, I was so fucking shocked by how much I liked this movie, and not just the jokes. The jokes are funny. Like, there's funny fucking jokes in this movie, but like it's an actual story. And another reason why it I couldn't like quite put it in my top five is. I'm still not sure if I'm giving it way more credit than it deserves for just telling a story. Because so many times we have seen spoof movies and parody movies that don't tell stories, don't give a shit about stories, don't give a shit about characters. They're only focused on references. This is a movie where it's just a sports movie. That's all it is. It tells a sports movie for a story from beginning to end. But then it just throws on gags, and the references are just like icing on the cake. They're sprinkled throughout, they don't overpower. This is like a cut above the rest when it comes to spoof movies.
1: And you mentioned it's a sports movie, it's spoofing sports movie tropes. We are we differ on that. You love that structure, I think. Whereas I very much don't. And so the fact that I was able to enjoy this as much as I did, even though I though I kinda hate the thing that it's parroting, and it's not I mean it's lovingly parroting that genre it's clearly made by people that love those movies, but I could still enjoy it even though I hate those movies. So it it ended up
0: higher just because of that. Alright. Number five. I had it number nine. Ben you had it number four. It is the Jim Belushi, John Ritter classic, Real Men.
1: This was just such a surprise. I'd never heard of this movie and and it's just so this is one that's so absurd. But unlike like Million Dollar Mystery the absurdity is more self-aware like they they know what they're doing and they know how crazy it is and i just yeah it it worked on all cylinders it made me like like john belushi john belushi (laughs) every fucking time every fucking it won't be a saturday night jive podcast if i get that fucking name right jim belushi it made me like jim belushi where prior to that point i Uh, didn't yeah
0: i this was a turnaround for jim belushi for me too because yeah he's a joke And then we watched this movie and I'm like, fuck, he's great. And it made me want to watch other Jim Belushi movies. And, um, you know, and then I have. And since I've been like, nah, I mean, he ain't that great.
1: Well, no, I I, see. I disagree since then. uh, I mean, like Mr. Destiny wasn't like amazing or anything, but I I enjoyed him in it. And in the episodes of the show that we've watched of SNL, he's been the standout in a lot more episodes than I ever anticipated Jim Belushi would be the standout in.
0: Jim Belushi... Kicked some ass on SNL. Like people don't give him his props. He was arguably as good as his brother on that show.
1: I feel like we've both said he's better. <laughs> I think, I think I certainly enjoy him better than than John Belushi, who I often mistake him for.
0: I'll take a cup of Jim Belushi over a cup of John Belushi, pretty much any day of the week.
1: I mean. It's just that he's done so many shittier things. Like John Belushi doesn't have an entire canine series under right. his belt, or he doesn't have According to John, because he died too early, so like he didn't get the chance to do the shitty sitcom where we'd all hate him.
0: He's fucking down in hell right now, going, "Whoo! Dodge that bullet! Another eight ball, devil!" Oh. But anyway, this guy
1: was the only guy that that could negotiate with this group. Again, they turn out to be aliens, but the, uh, and we, we reveal that fairly early on, I think, in the second act. But anyway, uh, they find some guy that looks just like him, also played by John Redder, who's just like a nobody living oh, in suburbia. You are skipping
0: past the the
1: greatest I was part gonna of this go movie. go okay.
0: I'm just I'm giving the sh- the bare bones of what structure okay. there is. You are skipping past shoelaces. <laughs> you are <were> skipping past <laughs> fucking Jim Belushi. Fucking you are skipping past Spider Man Belushi. <laughs> we'll get to
1: it all. Okay. I'm just saying the structure. There's a guy that looks just like the secret agent generator who's like a weakling. Jim Belushi is the badass secret agent who's tasked with getting him to Washington D.C. to complete the negotiations because uh, they won't negotiate with anyone else. And along the way, give him the self confidence he needs to not be such a milk toast. And
0: hilarity ensues. <laughs> the Russians are terrible shots.
1: Well, they're, in, they're movie bad guys.
0: They're stormtroopers. They basically. But they have, like, submachine guns and later full-on bazookas. And
1: uh, Jim Belushi and, like, rarely has any monsters. cover.
0: He's no. rarely behind It's just... And he, and he is one-shot killing all these Russians. Like, shot to the face. Oh, okay. And then he just, like, stops. And I thought he was just tying his shoe. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. That he's just like, oh, shit, my shoe's untied, but I'm in a shootout. No, he's pulling out his shoelace to make a fucking lasso. To uh, lasso onto like a, a lamp and then swing it through the hotel into another room. Then cut to Russian guy burst into the room. Burst into the room and there's two people fucking. And you're like, oh, I guess the Russian guy got the wrong room. Wrong. It was Jim Belushi fucking that broad. <laughs> and <then> he shoots <laughs> the guy in the face. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, you you want to go? You want to do well, it no. again? Because, <laughs> <think> he says. <laughs>
1: Uh, You served your country yeah. Or something like that
0: <laughs> and, so he, and like he looks down like At his cock Like apparently inside this lady going like Yeah did that good So he had time to be like Hey lady I need your help for uh, America Fuck me And she's like well, you're Jim fucking Belushi Of course I'm gonna fuck you <laughs> To be
1: fair when once you understand the full logic of this movie That makes absolute sense That it would happen in that frame of time <laughs>
0: Grandma comes downstairs. See,
1: I assume that was the
0: aunt. Oh, I didn't hear the aunt. I thought it was grandma. She said something
1: like, yeah, your Aunt
0: Sherry or something is here. Oh, with just giant fake tits. And you're like, oh, okay. for an older lady, something very attractive otherwise, I would say. Yeah, and then she just starts like, she just wants to just fuck John Ritter's brains out. And so she just makes out with John Ritter. And then John Ritter's like, oh, I can't, I can't. And then John Ritter's like. He kind of makes yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck this old lady. <laughs> that's when Jim Belushi comes in and goes, "Dad, <laughs> that's right. That old lady with big fake boobs is a man. Not just any man, but Jim Belushi's secret agent character's dad. Jim Belushi's dad, <laughs> back from Switzerland. Now, at this point in the movie, you're thinking, what? So, Jim Belushi has to explain it. And then he goes, you know, when some guys go through that midlife crisis, they have a real hard time. Dad just went right to Bolivia, had the operation, and look at the tits on this old man. <laughs> Grabs his dad's tits. And, you know, we were a little uncomfortable about it at first, but, you know, we've all accepted <laughs> That was one of my favorites when he goes, all right, "Yeah, yeah, if some of us weren't that comfortable with it, mom and the mom goes like well <laughs> so I want I want a prequel that's just that story I want to know what Jim Belushi's dad did and then I want to see that scene as just the climax of the movie hey kids I'm going to Bolivia to get a sex change I can't believe it stick up for dad mom but this, I gotta go find John Ritter.
1: This, even bef- even after Aliens and shit, this is where I
0: go, oh, cocaine was involved in this production. <laughs> number four. Ben, you had this at number six. I had this at number seven. Almost in complete agreement on the Anthony Michael Hall thriller Out of Bounds.
1: This is the other one where it's like, it's so bad it's good, but it's just so good at being so bad. Yeah, The scene where he... <laughs> He opens up the grate. Oh my God, it's gone. Oh wait, it's this other grate.
0: <laughs> or when he finds the cocaine and then he sniffs it off the fucking knife because he's seen that in movies before.
1: Oh man. Oh God. This this movie. And again, I, I we've literally recommended this to people. Like Nate, we recommended it to him, and then he watched it, but he watched it by himself, and he was like, ah, I wasn't really getting the feeling you were. So it's like it's it's a. It's a thing where it's like it, a comet has to be passing by, and you got to have just the right people in the room. It's it's not a thing that I can say, like, you're going to watch it and you're going to love it guaranteed. But it's, oh, we loved it. And, and yeah, I don't regret putting it as high as, as high as I did.
0: Yeah. Well, also, I think this is uh, whatever the opposite of recency bias is cuz this was one of the first movies we watched together where we like we were like excited like what the fuck and it was also one of those like discovery movies like yeah no one's ever heard of Out of Bounds before but like it's yeah. like we discovered it and we liked it. Hey, let's tell everyone about it. And maybe if I rewatched it I'd go oh yeah, I think I was just excited to discover a movie I've never heard of before.
1: Well, just the idea too. It's it's Anthony Michael Hall in that period of his career where he was still the the skinny nerdy guy before like like, I think it was like Edward Scissorhands when he kind of bulked up. But he's trying
0: to be an action hero, and it's just so pathetic. And just, oh, it's great. No, he is completely miscast. And, yeah, I was going to say, if Ben shits on me for putting Hot to Trot in the top ten, I got to say, like, well, you we both liked Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds isn't a good movie. Out of Bounds is a bad movie that we loved.
1: No, that's that's an exception to the role of... of no, so bad. It's good movies for me. That's it's so bad. It's good.
0: We're referring to the 1986 American action thriller feature film directed by Richard Tuggle and starring Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> Out of bounds. Out of bounds. Which I was gonna say is the worst title for this movie up until when the the black police detective went. You know, if you don't if you don't solve this. You're out, You're out of, of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> so Alright, now it's the best title ever. <laughs> Cut you. Body outline on a sleeping bag. <laughs> so so yeah. stupid. So
1: yeah, he finds the, the, the body the dead bodies of his brother and his brother's girlfriend. He's like, Oh my god And he picks up a gun and then right away some somebody who I don't even think they fucking ever explained it
0: to these guys. No, they do. They do. Whoa, 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 what's he? <laughs> you weren't paying close enough attention. He walks in the room and he says, "Hey, I think your septic tank's backed up." Oh my god, who are you? And then, a random plumber. Random plumber comes
1: and sees this uh, Anthony Michael standing over these two bodies with a gun. He goes, "I'm going to tackle you." <laughs>
0: no, they have the world's worst choreographed fight. <laughs> so you're a kid on the run from the cops. Yeah, you got a gun. What do you do? I would say the first
1: thing I would do is find the nearest guy in a motorcycle and then hold him at gunpoint, get on the back of his motorcycle and get him to drive me everywhere. <laughs> say drive. In the hopes that maybe after a giant action sequence,
0: I will become his friend. <laughs> the world's best kidnap victim. <laughs> Now the bad guy and the black guy are after him, and that's when one of my favorite lines comes in. You have not been introduced to this black guy at all. Like, he's just been a guy at this point. Now yeah. all of a sudden, pulls up, bad guys walk into this guy, and he's got like this big giant fucking yeah, gun. This is my favorite line as well. And the bad guy goes, "Let rain, Lamar. Let motherfucking rain." No, not it's not let rain. It's lead rain. Oh, Lead Rain. Lead Rain, Lamar. Lead motherfucking rain. I thought it was Let Rain. Like, Let It Rain, but he just dropped out It. No, no, it's Lead Rain. I don't like it that much anymore. Really? I like it more. I like Let Rain. (laughs) Let Rain, Lamar. Let motherfucking rain. All right, and we are in the top three now. At number three, Ben, you had this movie at number two. I had this movie at number five. That is the John Lovitz, Kathy Najimy, Cuba Gooding Jr. cast of all stars, including Wayne Knight and Kathy Bates. It's Rat Race. Oh, it's Again,
1: so much darker than I th- remembered it. Part of it is just how the sick mind I have, the fucking Hitler scene is beautiful. Well, the Hitler s- set piece, an entire Hitler-centric set piece that is just marvelous. And just, oh, I love, uh, the, and the, the, The big pit full of cars that Kathy Bates sends people in when they don't buy her squirrels. Oh, everything about this movie is great.
0: Yeah, a very, very funny movie. Absolutely recommend. And uh, we have already discussed that I was right, that cow fucking talks.
1: No, you just found somebody that watched it that agreed with you, that cow doesn't fucking talk. (laughs) The cow says moo, and a guy in the scene... Who's I, like, I know who it is. I literally know that guy in the scene. He's also on Grimm. He's like, he's an actor that I know of. He says, Oh, help or whatever. No, you're wrong. <laughs> oh,
0: that's right, that fucking cow. Yeah. Chekhov's talking cow. Because <laughs> um, I did not see that talking cow coming Wait, back. talking cow? Did it talk? Did you miss the part where the cow talked? <laughs> I totally missed the part where the cow talked. Okay, well, then now my notes make no sense because one of my notes um, said, did that cow just talk, or am I high? I think you were high. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, for the record, I did watch this movie twice. Once high, once sober. Um, I don't remember this. But the cow talked in both times. When did the cow talk? <laughs> when the cow hits uh, the bus that Cooper Gooding Jr. is driving. Lucy starts screaming, and then the cow goes, Oh, man, get me out of here, man! No, th- <laughs> I swear to God, it no, did. No,
1: because the cow the guy from the key shop is still on the thing.
0: Oh, so you think that's the guy talking through the cow? You think it's the cow? The cow's mouth moved.
1: Maybe the cow was mooing, but this is not a world where cows talk, but it is a world where there was a guy on top of the cow in the basket.
0: No. The yes. cow <laughs> said a line. And you then are fucking the cow no. at at the end of the movie when the cow's driving the car the cow is like screaming. No, the guy with the cow is screaming.
1: Oh my right. god! Here's what's gonna this happen. This is the most ridiculous fucking. No.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna no, fucking. Yeah, let's prove it to you. Let's do it. I'm totally on board Shh. for this. Moment of silence. Ah! Please, will you stop screaming? Damn. No! Please Tell help. me that cow didn't talk. <laughs> the
1: cow said, moo. The guy hanging on to the cow said, please help me. Did you not see the cow's mouth move, though? It's just the chewing grass, like it chews.
0: Oh, so the cow just happens to be chewing. It
1: doesn't move in time with that line of dialogue.
0: When the cow... You are fucking insane. <laughs> I mean, it's not like babe-level magic. Well, but why? I think they were implying that the cow was talking. <laughs> No! Because it's that guy. That guy on screen right now. Because then look at the cow again in this shot. That cow is screaming like a human. (laughs) That cow is like at least some kind of sentient creature. The human next to
1: him is... You are fucking insane.
0: (laughs) Tell me that that you just watched am, the same scene I did. I did, and I'm telling do, you. Do you not see the cow's eyes, like, buck out of its head? Oh, no. Head? I
1: mean, it's yes, it's a very cartoony... It's clearly like a puppet cow. It's not a real cow. <laughs> that cow <laughs> is screaming.
0: Plus, he's driving a car and seems to know what he's doing. Because he's moving the steering wheel. The cow wouldn't be moving the steering wheel if it didn't know the concept of what driving a car would be.
1: It's just moving its limbs, and it happens to be steering the ca- No, you are insane. That cow talked... You did not pay enough attention to this movie. There I was didn't. a guy. The, the guy from. He was the guy from Grimm. I don't no, know his name. I understand. That the,
0: there's another guy in the balloon, yeah, and he's a guy also screaming.
1: Who, it is important to note in the context of this film, has the capacity to speak where the <laughs> cow does not.
0: Okay. Well, then, will you grant me that that cow seemed to know it was driving a car? No, I will not grant you that either. So you're telling me that that cow. I mean, the cow did just land in the front seat of the car on accident, but the cow was moving the steering wheel. What? What does the cow think it's doing? It's
1: not doing anything. It's just it's it's prone in a position where its limbs would be moving like
0: that. Okay, but then when they're about to run into something, the cow opens its mouth and screams.
1: So how do you explain that? Because the cow can still recognize danger. You don't have to be sentient to recognize a threat to your life. Then why then why are we so quick to eat cows? Okay, B- based on your logic, this cow can speak. Why isn't it screaming, Oh no, a car is coming
0: at us. <laughs> Moo. Well, maybe it doesn't know a lot of words. <laughs> maybe it's one of those zookeeper scenarios where the cow's like, Hey, you know we can talk, but we can't tell humans. <laughs> Unless, you know, we're trying to like, Get them together with Rosario Dawson. Then we can talk all we want. Well, I guess we'll never solve this mystery. But moving on to number two, I had this movie at number two. Ben, you had this movie at number three. Oh, okay. And that is. is the Michael McKeon classic, Short Circuit 2.
1: And again, I, I, I had to just blow past any consideration of recency bias because I loved this so much, even though we just watched it. I couldn't put it any lower. This movie was just fucking heartwarming. I I cried. I laughed. I I enjoyed it uh, all throughout.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and that was this was the movie that kind of spurned this idea on because on that podcast, we talked about, is this like the best movie we've ever seen? Turns out it's the second best movie we've ever seen because you're never going to beat our number one movie. Number one with a bullet. And there's no way I don't know what this is. (laughs) We were both in agreement. I had it number one. You had it number one. It's the Joe Piscopo fucking stamped classic goddamn best movie you've ever fucking seen. It's dead fucking heat.
1: And you say it and you've said throughout like, we don't really watch good movies most of the time. We watch bad movies. If you've never seen it, you might go like, oh, it's a Joe Piscopo 80s zombie movie nobody's ever heard of. It's probably just the best of a lot of bad options. No, this when we saw this, I immediately said like, this is in my top 10 movies of all time immediately. And it has not left that list. It is still in my top 10 favorite movies of all time outside of the podcast. Like just like in, in reality, this movie
0: is fucking yeah, amazing. When we watch this movie for free on Netflix, I bought the fucking DVD because I was like, it's got director's commentary. So did I, I. have to listen to other people talk about this movie. It was
1: the first DVD I bought in years, and it's the last one I bought. I have not bought one since. That's how fucking much I love Dead Heat.
0: I was like, I have to get this on physical media that will be obsolete in five years. Oh, man.
1: I didn't even have a DVD
0: player. I bought the Laserdisc too. <laughs> did you really?
1: No because I cannot put it past you I don't know that that's a joke or not uh, but oh this, this movie uh, fucking j- he, he's a zombie and he comes across another zombie and they both have machine guns and they're just <laughs> shooting each other and none of them can die because they're fucking dead so then he just kicks him into a, a sealed off room and chucks a grenade into it Oh, I don't have to explain anything else to you fucking see that movie
0: It's the best movie you've ever fucking seen. If you got a complaint about Dead Heat, you can mail it to 1-800-FUCK-YOU. You're watching the best movie ever.
1: Mail it directly to the fleshiest part of my ass. Fuck you. Dead Heat is awesome. (sighs)
0: So, just to precursor this, we've watched movies starring Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Dana Carvey, Dan Aykroyd, and Joe Piscopo. Out of those five, which would you think would be the greatest movie ever made? Possibly the one starring Joe Piscopo? Holy shit it was. Spoiler alert. This is my new favorite movie of all time.
1: Motherfuck it is. My god was this movie awesome.
0: We just watched 1988's Dead Heat and it was the greatest movie of all time. Spoiler alert. Everybody fucking dies at the end.
1: Some of them come back to life, but that's but not like they are immortal, they're gonna they die, die eventually. <laughs> Jesus and it's all awesome.
0: That Treat Williams dies at one point They bring him back to life we, 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 yeah, We're jumping, at we're jumping at it. Yeah, but that... They bring him back to life and then Darren McGavin Holds a stethoscope to his heart and goes He's faking it <laughs> And then he says Oh this happens all the time It doesn't happen all the time Zombies don't happen all the time. But yeah,
1: let's go back a little bit. They find there's a chemical on their skin that leads them to this company, and that's when they, they find the... Se- Joe Piscopo says, Oh, I gotta go pee-pee.
0: <laughs> Direct quote. Yeah, he wants to go He wants to go do some sleuth, and so He goes, Hey, can I, can I use your bathroom? I gotta go pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a restaurant. I guess it's a meat market. Because all he has is, like, chicken heads and and meat parts. Yeah. And then, so they question this guy. Mr. Thule says, I'm done being questioned. So he turns on the resurrection machine. And what happens? All the
1: dead parts of animals come to life, including a dead pig that jumps on Joe Piscopo, a dead spleen that animates and <laughs> jumps into <laughs> Tree Williams' face. Like,
0: Tree Williams is just wrestling with a liver on his face for, like, five minutes going, I gotta get this liver off my face. All the upside-down
1: <laughs> dead ducks are getting, and then, yeah, Joe Piscopo's fighting on this pig, and he, sh- he puts a gun in the pig's mouth. What does he say? Oh,
0: I can't remember. Oh, oh yeah, he goes... This little piggy's going to market. This little piggy's going to market and then <laughs> shoots Puts on his gun p- in the mouth. And then the, the pig just explodes and he goes, That was gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that was the best part. And A then, giant, yeah. headless, disembowed cow carcass starts <laughs> <laughs> trottling out and then just tries to envelop Treat Williams.
0: <laughs> Doug's dead. Randy's dead. And he leaves a voicemail message. Yeah. So you like you think as an audience member. Well, I've seen movies before. I know what's going to happen. She's going to get that answering machine message, come in and save the day. Nope. Next time you see her, no, nope. she's fucking dead.
1: <laughs> and like I thought, maybe it was like a misdirect there. Like maybe she's not dead. Maybe, it's, but no, I thought she's so too, fucking no, dead. She's
0: just fucking dead. Well, because what happens is he goes after. Because uh, you've seen movies, right? This movie just goes. <laughs> Fuck your movies. This is, we're just going to make our own rules. You
1: know those parts in the movies where you're like, oh, that's boring because I've seen it other times. We're not going to do that. We're going to do that, but awesome. <laughs> oh, but He now, really
0: takes all the fucking bullets.
1: What happens when he finally meets the first zombie guy? <laughs>
0: this is one of the best scenes ever filmed. <laughs> it is. Not in this movie, in any fucking movie. Treat Williams meets another, like a fucking zombie henchman. And for about two and a half minutes, <laughs> they both have
1: machine guns.
0: They're just shooting each other nonstop with AK forty sevens without moving, because <laughs> <laughs> the bullets don't do anything. So they're just like, Tree Williams is standing there shooting a fucking zombie. The zombie's just sitting there shooting Tree Williams. Neither of them give a shit. <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're just like "fuck you, bitch." But then he knocks him into the asphyxiation thing and yeah, knocks him into the asphyxiation room. Uh, Closes the door, but before he closes the door, drops a fucking grenade in there (laughs) and blows him up. And then this... Oh, God. Okay, first off, you thought thought, uh, uh, zombie uh, animal parts were great. You thought random girl dying and her head exploding was great. You thought fucking Treat Williams zombie shooting a zombie was great. You thought all those scenes, you can't top those scenes holy shit did they top that scene cause they both come after Darren McGavin And they're like, we're gonna kill this motherfucker. Darren McGavin. No, no, no. You're not gonna get me. And just blows his head off with an AK-47. Oh my god. Commits suicide. And puts it in his mouth. Boom. Well, no,
1: because that's. You never watched Battlestar Galactica, did you? No. That's how fucking Dean Stockwell uh, dies at the end of that. (laughs) They betray him and he's just like, fuck it. Boom. And it's like the greatest moment of that whole show. And it's like they stole it from this awesome 80s movie.
0: I know, so like. Out of nowhere, Darren McGavin just goes, fuck you, you ain't gonna get me. So he shoots his fucking head off. And then what do they do? They're like, shit! We really wanted to kill that asshole. Wait a minute, we're standing next to a resurrection (laughs) machine? Let's resurrect him just to kill him again. (laughs) Dead Heat. Alright, so to recap our top five, Dead Heat, Short Circuit 2, Rat Race, Out of Bounds, Real Men, I think that's a good top five. I think I, think so. I will agree. Those are probably the, the top five movies we've seen.
1: Now, I think we're going to keep recording, but you want to maybe put a little endpoint here? Because we're probably, well, I just mean we're probably going to split this up at this point. We're already an hour in.
0: Oh, shit. We got three episodes. All right. I think so. Um, or at least
1: two more. I don't know how long the worst and the, and the best episodes are going to
0: take, but. Okay. Well, um, well, we'll see what happens. But if we end here, get off the shed. <laughs> It's a Hey, hope you like that juice. Thanks for listening to our best of episode. Stay tuned for part two and three, where we talk about our worst ofs and our favorite podcast episodes. If you'd like to email us anything, send it to Saturday Night Jive Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Here's Phil Settle's theme to Dead Heat.